So, Edward, how are you, honey? I'm good, dear. I'm not going to the Hamptons, which is always good for me. <laughs> I would like to ask sure? you a couple of questions that only you can answer. I would like sure. you to tell me, in two seconds or less, what the hell is going to happen to my country? Uh, and, and two answers or two minutes? <laughs> Um, go ahead. Go. Your country's going. Your, your country's going to go through a period of, of uh, real uh, gut wrenching. Uh, the economy is going to be terrible for a period of time. Uh, there's no political leadership. Uh, we certainly have a polarized uh, government. Uh, uh, there's no limit to what gasoline prices can go or food prices. And so the rich will do well. The middle class will suffer immensely, and the poor will suffer even more so. So until we get out of this recession, it's awful hard to get out of a recession. We're going to spend enormous sums of money in a war that most people, you know, we care about Ukraine since you don't want Russia to get away with too much. We don't want to fund the war. And we don't want to fund a war that's going to go on for many years. So, Okay, that's the country. I'm going bit by bit. What okay. is going to happen to what used to be my city? Well, you've got a guy who's now the mayor who wants to be a, wants to run around and, and uh, go to parties. Uh, uh, the the last yeah. two mayors who are fairly fairly effective, Giuliani and, and Bloomberg, uh, worked pretty hard at their jobs. Uh, they weren't about Bloomberg a little more social than Giuliani, but at least Giuliani had one great term, which he turned the crime around. Uh, Bloomberg for his three terms, uh, one of which he shouldn't have had because term limits, but he still stayed in there. Uh, was a pretty good business uh, uh, mayor. This guy is just basically a party guy. And, you know, in the first first week of your administration, you want to hire your brother uh, for $250,000 to be your security guard. And then you want to run, then you talk about running for president. Uh, you got to look on the, on the history. So in two, those two men I talked about, Giuliani and Bloomberg, who fairly effective president, uh, mayors, bombed when they tried to run for president. And this guy needs to basically focus on getting crime under control here. That's the one thing, though. I hope he can do. It's one thing he's got experience on. If he doesn't do that, then this city is going to get torn apart big time, even worse than it is today. First of all, he's little Lord Fauntleroy. He went to California to have a party with Paris Hilton as though that is going to help New York. If he wants to help New York, let him go to Bed-Stuy, but he's not doing that. So, okay, we've got that. We've got imbecilics, as far as I'm concerned, for political leaders. Now tell me about the days you ran presidential campaigns. Tell me about a couple of your presidential campaigns. The, the young people don't always know that, Ed. Well, look, I ran Reagan's re-election campaign in uh, 1984, in which we won 49 states. Uh, the, the, the premise that I always had was you add to a, a, a base of election. You go out and you're looking for new voters all the time. Uh, it's like Trump. If Trump wants to run again now, what he's done in the, in the last year and a half is polarize people. And, and, not, and when you look, you look at the demographics of the country, we're, we're a split country. We basically have uh, almost an even number of Democrats and Republicans, and the largest segment of voters are independents. Forty uh, percent uh, of the voters consider themselves independents. So you've got to appeal to them. You've got to basically go out and convince them uh, what you have some solutions. And there are no solutions today. Uh, every politician wants to get on either Fox or gets on MSNBC or CNN. And in order to do that, you're not the reasonable, smart guy that's offering solutions. You're the guy trashing the other side better than, than 
his colleagues, which is pretty significant uh, measurement at this point in time. But that's their goal. It's, it's whether it's uh, the Matt Gatzes or the or the or the governor of Florida today who made his reputation going on Fox. They all want to get on Fox. The way you get on Fox is you say outrageous things. The way you get on MSNBC is you criticize Trump and all Republicans. There's no senior people saying, let's come together, let's find some solutions. And that's uh, until that happens, uh, then obviously it's not. So I, I was involved in Reagan's campaigns. I was Jack Kemp's chairman when he ran for president, a good man. I ran. Uh, I was chairman of Mike Huckabee's campaign when he ran for president. Uh, I've been in, been in politics for a long, long time. I was the chairman of the Congressional Committee, which I ran all the House races in in the uh, late late seventies, eighties. Uh, so I've been I've been around the game a long time, fifty years. How did you get into this business in the first place? I mean, it must have been George Washington's time. How did you start? It was close. It was close. I started out. I want I want to, I want to be a high school football coach, uh, uh, and basically, I graduated from college in nineteen sixty eight when there weren't many coaching jobs anymore. Uh, I was the student body president of the college, and I got an internship in the state legislature. I went down there, worked hard, got jobs in the staff, became the chief of staff of the Republicans in the state assembly, met Reagan, uh, uh, ran Nixon's campaign in California, uh, went back to Washington in 1972, part of the Nixon administration, got back here in a couple of months, uh, Nixon was in the middle of Watergate. I thought I'd, I thought I'd cross the Rubicon and couldn't get back, uh, but I, I hung in there. <laughs> I hung in there, and, and uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've worked. I've worked for a lot of people. And I've been around a lot of people, and I've met a lot of great people, and some not so great. Uh, uh, I was had the privilege of working with Reagan both in the White House. I was the White House political director in both the first and second term, uh, which is the highest ranking, one of the highest ranking jobs. And a wonderful thing about Reagan is he had, he had a great love of this country, and he was a man who was inspirational and loved the young people, uh, which he, he sort of built his got elected governor by running against the young people who were burning down Cal campuses and what have you. So. So if you guys seen, are, seen, if you guys are running behind these presidents, suppose you don't like these presidents after a while. What happens? How do you work with them? I'm not sure I would know how to do that. But I always, what I always have to remind people: uh, it's only one person gets votes uh, in Washington D.C., most powerful city in the world. There are 538 people who get votes. President. 500, 435 congressmen, 100 senators. Everybody else is an appointed or reflected vote. So the reality is you're there to help the person who got elected. You work for a president, you try and give the president the best advice you can. Sometimes he won't take your advice, and sometimes he shouldn't take your advice. But you got to remember, he's the guy who got the votes. And no matter how important you think you are with driving around big limousines with lights behind you and reading the Wall Street Journal every day as some of these 25-year-old kids are doing, you got to remember, it's not you. You're not important. Who's important are the voters. Well, really important is the voters who make the presidents get elected or reelected. Is is part of the reason today's journalists, because instead of just reporting, they are op- opining. They're giving their own opinions. Is that becoming one of the problems? Sure, sure it is. I mean, there's and and the, the, that plus the fact that everybody now has their Twitter account and everybody gets to give their opinions. So you can be the, you know, two great editors of papers that weren't necessarily my favorite papers, but they were great papers. Was the New York Times, with Dave Rose and all, was when he was the editor, and Ben Bradley when he was the editor of the Washington Post, and they both had policies that their reporters didn't go on TV. They were reporters would write for the papers uh, and go out and be investigated. Of course, and and Abe was a man who would never take a story unless he had three sources, 
and and Ben was very similar to that. So what you read in the paper was at least 95% right. Today, I'm not sure what's right and what's not right. And equally as important, any young person can go out and pop off in a in a, in a tweet or a, an email or what have you, and, and, and it's uh, and they don't judge you on the value of your writing uh, as, a, as a journalist for a long time and a columnist. You're you're valued by your readership. Now it's all about how many how many clicks on the blogs do you get? Uh, how many times are your stories repeated? Uh, uh, how much airtime do you get? Uh, uh, how do I sell books? Uh, and I think to a certain extent, the, the field of journalism has failed and failed because of that. Equally as important, the country is less interested because everybody has their own source of information. Young people don't read newspapers. I read 14 newspapers a day. Uh, I don't read all of them cover to cover, but I've, I've been reading papers all my life. Uh, that's where I go for my news. I don't go to a blog for my news. I go to the press with my news, uh, and I make a judgment of whether it's good or bad. I watch Fox. I watch MSNBC. I watch CNN. I want to know what people say. How can you watch MSNBC and CNN? You're a Fox contributor. I said, I want to know what the other side is saying. I want to know what their thought process is. I, I need to know as much about the business as possible so that I can make valid judgments. Okay, you're not just saying, you're widening it. You're not just saying it's today's journalists. You're saying it's also the blogs and the social spheres that are sure. inflaming us one way or another? Is that it? Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's some great journalists around, obviously. But even even the business of journalism, you used to be able to work for Washington Post, New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, L.A. Times, and have a career. That's where you went, you worked, you, you moved up on the hierarchy, you became an editor, deputy editor. Uh, today, it's, you know, all these corporations have come in and bought these newspapers, they're, they're casting them aside, cutting back on, on you know, and so there's less information. I mean, a place that needs to be covered is like here in this city. Uh, the city council needs to be covered. The, the assembly, state senate in Albany need to be covered. And those places are not being covered at all. But yet what they do has a bigger impact on your lives a lot than what members of the Congress do. And it's just, you know, there's no, there's no budgets for those kinds of things. It's all about how do I sell papers? How do I get on TV? So... Okay. I am certainly I am certainly not going to ask you to pee on anybody, but could you give me your opinion of what we will do about Biden if you should excuse the expression? Well, Biden is not going to function as a, as a viable president. I mean, to, to me, <laughs> yeah, I've always I've I've always I've always been someone that okay, you get elected president. Uh I respect that. I haven't worked for three presidents, worked for Nixon and Ford and Nixon and Reagan. So I respect the office of the presidency. But here's what happened to Biden yesterday that made me lose all faith in him whatsoever. You don't go to an international conference with world leaders watching and hold a press conference and attack the Supreme Court. If you want to attack the Supreme Court, you do that back here. You don't do that in Spain in front of NATO. That conference was not about NATO. It was not about abortion. That conference was about the war of Russia and Ukraine. You're right. You're right but he right, stood up right. there and made, made his big deal out of that. Uh, so to me, how would he like it if John Roberts went to a big conference somewhere in Italy and stood up and said, we have the worst president in the world. I think he's a piece of crap. Uh, let's throw him out of office. Uh, oh, that's not nice, how it works. Nice, nice. I'm so glad I had you on the air. Nice, nice, nice. This is exactly what I feel. I mean, he's, he's just, he, well, I don't want to say anything because I'm not allowed to use those words on the air. But I want to thank you for coming on. The problem with you, actually, Ed, is you never have anything to say 
That is the problem. Okay? <laughs> it's always been my problem. <laughs> Thank you. Anytime, Thank you, sweetheart, for coming on. My, my Thank pleasure. you for talking Have a great weekend. Okay, Thank babe. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.